This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Harvey Norman Wonthaggy, your local store for computers and electrical. Free click and collect available now. Live on SEN Track, Latrobe Valley 91.9 FM. And SEN Track, Southwest Gippsland 91.3 FM. Welcome to Saturdays in Gippsland. Ah, uh, yes, right on cue, the sun valiantly striking through the clouds where we are at Harvey Norman Warrigal this morning. It is Saturdays in Gippsland, right across the SEN network in this region with SEN Track Southwest Gippsland 91.3 FM and SEN Track Latrobe Valley 91.9 FM. Damien Watson in the chair this morning, filling in for Rob Popplestone. He's taken a week's leave of absence to head off to Adelaide, which is very nice, and uh, we'll look forward to his company in the coming weeks. Great to meet him and uh, broadcast with him at sale last week and we've got a big show for you coming up as well obviously we'll touch on some of the local cricket competitions and that's getting into full swing no question about that and people have been itching to go out there and play cricket after a pretty long winter where a large part of the state has been locked down we've got the sale mafra cricket association in action latrobe valley the Taralgan district cricket association warrigal and district cricket association there's the lee gaffer district cricket association as well and just in regards to the warrigal and district cricket association a big Match of the day today between Wallora and Western Park. So the anticipation building there. It's a big week in sport ahead in general, I think it's fair to say. Uh, not far from where we are, actually. We've got the Packetham Cup to look forward to, and that was after Jamie Carr returned to riding yesterday at Mornington and then a couple of rides at Moody Valley last night. The ashes are on the horizon. The build-up has been absolutely sensational uh, in more ways than one, in a positive and negative sense for both Australia and England. We're going to have a chat with Darren Chuck Berry, who, of course, is from this region. He grew up in Wonthaggy. Uh, loved his St Kilda football club, but obviously well known as a cricketer, uh, wicketkeeper for Victoria for many years throughout the 90s and into the 2000s. We'll get him to preview the Big Bash as well, which is also on the horizon. So a lot happening there. India, of course, taking on New Zealand in their second test match. Stumps on day one there. The Indians are four for 221. We'll get a scorecard update in just a moment. And... Just speaking of big, iconic sporting events, the Ashes is one of those. We've also got Bathurst, which is a little later this year for obvious reasons. It's extenuating circumstances due to COVID. It's in December this year as opposed to the traditional October time slot, usually the weekend after the AFL Grand Final. But this year, obviously, in December, and uh, we've got... A lot to look forward to there. A couple of practice sessions this morning and the big race to come tomorrow. And we're going to have a chat with Rob James, motorsport expert. He's worked with cams in the past and uh, the ABC. He's going to talk to us to preview what's happening with Bathurst. Uh, Shane Van Gisbergen, obviously, serving as the benchmark of the yardstick of the supercars this year. And it'll be interesting to see how he performs. We've also, just in regards to guests today, got Jared Blair to join us on the line, a man who grew up in Wonthaggy, was a 2000 
2010 Premiership player in his first year at Collingwood. Hard to believe, actually. It's been over 10 years since that flag with the drawn grand final and all the drama there. And I suppose he's mostly remembered in terms of a game-winning situation for kicking the winning goal in the 2012 Anzac Day match where the Pies hung on by a point. He had a little touch to the boot that managed to go through and there was a whole drama of the video review system which had just been brought in that year just to accentuate the situation and the drama. But it did get up for a goal and he will be joining us on the line, I guess, to talk about his upbringing and and what he's doing now as well. Uh, He left Collingwood at the end of 2018, a year in which they lost the grand final by less than a kick to West Coast. Also joining us, a man who is synonymous with this region, Bo Vernon. He's the coach at the moment of the Phillip Island Football Club. It's interesting, uh, we we talk about the accident that happened on field while he was playing for Lee and Gaffer against Wonthaggy. That was almost 10 years ago now, so it'll be intriguing to see you know, with, uh, <laughs> in regards to living in the situation that he's in, uh, how he's managed to adapt and learn new skills over time and whether that still continues to be the case. And I'm interested to hear also his thoughts on coaching because he, he was sort of thrust into coaching probably willingly very young. He started coaching Lee and Gether, I think, at the age of about 26. So he was coaching a lot of guys that were older than him and just asserting that authority as well and how he's... I guess, adapted over a long journey and, and increased his capacity to be an authoritarian figure, not in a negative way, but in a positive way, of course, as a coach and getting his philosophies as well. So he'll join us just before 10 a.m. or just after 10 a.m., in fact, Australian Eastern Daylight Time. And looking forward to a couple of guests we got towards the back end of the show, two men who are also synonymous with Australian football and actually have links to this area. We've got Ian Robertson to join us, a multiple Carlton Premiership player throughout the 60s and 70s. He was recruited from Wonthaggy. Of course, this program brought to you by Harvey Norman Wonthaggy, your local store for computers and electrical. Free click and collect available now. He grew up in Wonthaggy. I think he played for Dalliston uh, from memory before he was recruited to Carlton. He was born in Footscray. And then the family moved down to the Wonfaggy region and he cut his teeth there before he was recruited. Played for the Blues, was part of a very successful era. He played in the 1968 Premiership, the famous 1970 Grand Final, and also in 72, which was cumulatively the highest scoring Grand Final in VFL-AFL history, and went on to play for the Dogs and became a very famous Channel 7 commentator, was the voice of Friday Night Football alongside Bruce McAvaney. So I'm interested to hear about his childhood, how he grew up in Wadthaggy, and I guess his memories of growing up in that region and how it has changed over time. And another man who joined him in the commentary box for many years, the great sports broadcaster Peter Land. He actually started right here in Warrigal for the local radio station, coordinated a lot of the footy and trots broadcasts back in the day, uh, back in the early 1960s, so 60 years ago, and he's going to join us not only to reflect on those times and how he got his start and cut his teeth in the industry, but also big year for Australia rowing with gold in the men's fours for the first time in 25 years since the awesome foursome. And I might get his thoughts on boxing as well. He had uh, the lightweight title won by George Cambosis Jr. last week, and he was a man, Peter Landy, who used to call alongside Ron Casey for TV ringside where boxing was a really big deal in this country and was a television event. So a lot to look forward to guest-wise today going to cover various aspects of the sporting spectrum. Sam Watson, no relation to me. He'll join us in the next segment to give us a local update on the various cricket associations, mainly the Lee and Gaffer and District Cricket Association. We had a couple of big matches today. Hopefully there's no rain. The weather's all right. There was a couple of drops of rain on the drive-in, but nothing too significant. There are a few clouds around, but... 
hopefully we get a nice clean day's worth of play. And uh, speaking of cricket, I know the build-up to the Ashes is certainly hot, as you would expect. Uh, live score update I flagged before India versus New Zealand at Stumps on day one in Mumbai. The Indians four for 221. And, I mean, this is probably one of the more anticipated series of all time when it comes to India v New Zealand, given the Kiwis are probably at their peak at the moment. Uh, in their cricketing history, really. I know people go back to the mid-1980s when Sir Richard Hadley was around and he knocked the Aussies over very for a very cheap total in that famous test in 1985 at the Gabba. But this is probably the peak when it comes to New Zealand cricket at the moment, World Test Champions. India, as I said, 4 for 2-2-1. Mayank Agarwal, 120 off 246, still at the crease alongside Riddiman Saha, 25 off 53 deliveries. There were a couple of ducks, Virat Kohli and Pajara, both gone cheaply for Ducks, respectively, but such is the depth of that Indian batting lineup. Uh, they managed to cover for that. Shubman Gill with a bit of a cameo, 44 off 71. Uh, he was dismissed earlier on in the day in the first day's proceedings. But the Indians looking comfortable enough, four for 221. Bowling figures, well, all the wickets have been taken for New Zealand by Ajaz Patel, four for 73 with 10 maidens across his 29 overs. We did have also, just for a bit of a sports news update, the opening of the NBL season last night, the Tasmanian Jack Jumpers, their inaugural game. It was quite an entertaining game, went into overtime. It was tied at 69 apiece at the end of regular time. The Jack Jumpers, think predictable by many to struggle this season, given it is their inaugural year in the competition. Uh, we had the Hobart Devils going around back in the 90s, of course, but it was a big crowd there to witness history, and the Jack Jumpers prevailed 83-74 to 74 in the end. And when I mentioned we went into overtime, really it was through a Nathan Sobey three-pointer virtually at the death that caused the game to go into overtime, but the Jack Jumpers stood up in overtime and prevailed uh, just in regards to points. Josh Adams, the leading point scorer for the Tasmanians with 20 Josh Maguette with 19 and also 10 points to Will Magnay. From a Brisbane Bullets point of view, Nathan Sobey was a star. 24 points, three assists and six rebounds. Uh, he certainly did play a gallant hand in a losing side and also... Uh, a couple of other contributors as well. Uh, Lamar Patterson with 10 points, a man who's also well-known and prolific within that Brisbane Bullets lineup. From another point of view, crowd point of view, a big crowd witness the Perth Wildcats opened their season at the RAC Arena last night. They defeated the Adelaide 36ers 85-73. to and they always get behind them, the, wild, the locals uh, with the Wildcats, as you would expect. They have, I think, the biggest, that have to be one of the biggest membership bases in the NBL competition. Vic Law with 37 points was a star. Bryce Cotton, who's been, I guess, a name synonymous with that team for a long period of time. Now, 16 points. Luke Travers scored 15 for the Adelaide 36ers. Daniel Johnson was their main contributor with 22 points. Cam Bairstow with 15 points. And Dusty Hannes, we have 10 points to his name. And just from an A-League point of view as well, we had one match to commence the round last night. The Western Sydney Wanderers with a comfortable 2-0 win over the Wellington Phoenix. And in the EPL, a couple of heavyweights going around recently in the last 24 hours. Manchester United with a 3-2 win over Arsenal. And Tottenham, I'm happy with this, my team. They defeated Brentford quite comfortably in the end, 2-0. And there's plenty of fixtures to look forward to today in the respective competitions as well. In the A-League, the Brisbane Roar take on Adelaide United. Melbourne City to host Western United. I guess a little bit of a Victorian derby there. And speaking of derbies, New, uh, well, New South Wales will have somewhat of a derby, not the traditional one between Sydney FC and the Western Sydney Wanderers, but the Sky Blues will 
will take on the Newcastle Jets. So those are the A-League fixtures coming up. And in the NBL, the South East Melbourne Phoenix opened their account this season. They take on the New Zealand Breakers. So a lot to look forward to in a sporting sense internationally and also domestically. And we're going to go local on the other side of this break. Sam Watson to join us to give us an update for the Lee and Gaffer District Cricket Association. We might have a chat about some of the other local cricket comps as well. As I flagged before, in the local area where we are in Warrigal, we've got a big match to look forward to between Willora and Western Park. You're listening to Saturdays in Gippsland on SEN Track, Southwest Gippsland 91.3 FM and Latrobe Valley 91.9 FM. And we're hosted by Harvey Norman Warrigal today, but this program brought to you by Harvey Norman Bob Faggy, your local store for computers and electrical. Free click and collect available now. Damian Watson with you on this Saturday morning. Stay tuned. Plenty of guests to come as well after this. Yes, indeed. You are listening to Saturdays in Gippsland on SEN Track 91.3 FM, Southwest Gippsland, and of course, SEN Track 91.9 FM in the Latrobe Valley. We do this for Harvey Norman Wadthaggy, your local store for computers and electrical. Feel, uh, certainly feel free to click and collect. It is available now. Damian Watson in the chair. We're actually at Harvey Norman Warrigal this morning. Nice conditions, a little bit breezy and cool, but uh, I'm sure it'll warm up throughout the course of the day. And we do hope so for the sake of the local cricketers as well who are keen as mustard to get out there. Many competitions, certainly on show across the region. And joining me in the box or the booth outside Harvey Norman Warrigal this morning, my producer Sam Watson, who's from the region. He plays for the Glenalvey Cricket Club. I think he describes himself as a specialist fielder, but he does analyse the local competitions, part of the local paper crew as well down at Wonfaggy. Good to have you on, Sam. Thanks for having me on, Damon. I know I am producing the show, but uh, thank you very much for allowing me to come on and talk a bit of Lean Gatha and District Cricket Association, Matt. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just tell us a little bit about your history of the region. So you grew up here? Yeah, I grew up in Wonfaggy. Um, my parents have pretty much been there their whole lives. Mum's from Daliston originally, and Dad moved around the area a little bit. Um, grew up in Wonthaggy, uh, went did all my school there, went to um, RMIT for university. Yep. Back home to work at the South Gippie Sentinel Times, which yes. I've loved. Great um, paper. Yep, local paper in Wonthaggy and covers Langatha and Phillip Island as well. And, uh, yeah, started work at SEN a few months ago, mate, and I'm loving it. Ah, fantastic work and great to have you down here. So how are you going individually before we get to some of the local competitions, in particular the Lee and Gaffer and District Cricket Association? Glen Alvey Cricket Club, your team, I think, just in regards to your individual performance, how you've been tracking along? Uh, uh, yeah, you were spot on earlier, mate, when you said I'm a specialist fielder. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, I'm actually the captain of the B-grade side. Oh, captain's nothing to <laughs> sneeze upon. I'm um, got to do a number of things. I'm, yeah, I'm... Certainly not talented, and my scores would reflect that. Um, and I've been doing a little bit of bowling as well, so haven't picked up any wickets, haven't made too many runs, but it is what it is. I'm still having fun. So effectively, you'll be leaving here to take the field. Uh, who are you playing today? Uh, we are playing out from Moyara Conwack today. Oh, no, sorry, we're not. We're playing one Thaggy today, um, but I won't be there. I've got a wedding. I'm, oh. miss I'm missing my first game of the year, unfortunately. <laughs> oh. And uh, no, yeah. you got to do the right thing by your mates. Yeah, Don't worry. I've um, 
I don't like missing out on cricket, and there seems to be a lot of people missing out lately, unfortunately. But, yeah, I'm going to go to the wedding on Phillip Island, mate. Well, you know why? Because everyone's having their weddings now because they've been in lockdown for most of the year. So it's been hard to try and juggle local sport for a lot of people exactly. with actual commitments because it's been waiting for ages to, you know, for, for a wedding or a get-together, and Christmas makes it interesting as well. Yeah, exactly. There's... Uh Lots of people catch, catching up on a lot of socialising yeah. at the moment and putting cricket to the side, unfortunately. But we'll get through and we're feeling all three sides, so that's the main thing. Now, you're from Wonthaggy. Give us an insight, sporting-wise, as to the rivalry between Lee and Gaffer and Wonthaggy. Because I understand it can get pretty heated and, you know, they're two relatively similar towns in terms of size. Uh, tell us about the origins of that. It's been long-standing. Yeah, it definitely has. It's um, Wonthaggy weren't playing against Langatha for uh, quite a while, but when they did move back into the Gippsland League in about 2010, uh, about 2010 I'd say, yeah, the rivalry certainly renewed, and it is, it is pretty testy. Um, I know lots of people from Wanthaggy and Langatha, and there's a bit of animosity there, but at the end of the day, we're, they're all mates, and it's just uh, pretty much stays out on the field, I, I'd say. Um, it's strong in cricket and and footy but mainly footy and this year in the Gippsland League they yeah. were they were the two best sides and uh, looked set to face off in the grand final in the uh, Gippsland League but unfortunately COVID brought an end to the mm. season prematurely and we couldn't see the local rivalry off in the grand final. From your observations, particularly in regards to local cricket with the Lee and Gaffer and District Cricket Association, a lot has been said about representation at local level and whether community cricket is doing as well as it could be and whether people are struggling to, to gain numbers. What's the situation out in this region, um, yeah, to your knowledge? I think I think that, like a lot of sports, junior, junior numbers have struggled in recent times and we've seen a few clubs... Um, not field junior sides, unfortunately. Um, but I know, I know at Glen Alvey at least, and a lot of other clubs in our area, they're working extremely hard to get kids involved. And with programs like um, Woolworth Cricket Blast, yes, and, um, all kind of junior things like that, they're really trying to make sure that we get lots of kids involved and do what we can to keep them there because they might there might be lots of numbers in the under 12s, say, um, but they might drop off in the under-16. So I think the main focus is for local cricket clubs to work out how to transition our clubs, our, our kids from the under-12s into senior into senior cricket and keep them there. And hopefully um, we can all get full sides with homegrown products, but it's a bit hard at the moment. Well, that's the key, isn't it? Retention, because there's so many other sports to compete with now, isn't there? And there's obviously the logistical side of it. I mean, cricket's an all-day commitment when you're involved, plus the training during the week. So uh, it is difficult to retain kids, and I, I guess that's going to be a focus of community cricket and local cricket going forward. Tell us about the Lee and Gaffer and District Cricket Association coming up to round four this weekend. What's the situation at the moment? Um, yeah, well, there's a clear standout in A-grade Division 1 as the, the Premiership favourite, mate, and that's Phillip Island. Yes. Who've picked up some gun cricketers over the off-season who did actually come from OMK, out from Yarra Conwack, and they won the Premiership yep. in A-grade Division 1 last year, beating Lingatha Town in the grand final. Um, yeah, there's players that have gone there are Daniel Mock, yep. Tom Kiley, um, and Adam Miller, and that... Outram have also lost gun all-rounder Luke Manders as well, who's not playing at the moment to my knowledge. But, yeah, 
Mock and Kylie and Miller have made a big difference at Phillip Island. They already had a good side um, that made finals last year, but bowed out to Langatha Town in the semi-final. And, uh, yeah, they're flying to start the season. Mate. They're undefeated, making plenty of runs, taking plenty of wickets. So they're, they're one to watch out for. Who are the main challengers at this point? Langatha Town have, have lost a few bowlers, but they're still um, going to be very tough to beat. If, if their batsmen get going, they've got plenty of class there. Um, so they'll, they'll, they'll take it right up to them. One Thaggy Club missed finals for the first time in 15 to 20 years last mm. year. Uh, so they're desperate to, to get back amongst it. And they'll be, they'll be one of the teams to beat as well. Um, and their Coonwara, who were promoted from Division 2, they've started the season pretty nicely as well. So plenty to look out for there. Lingatha Imperials have also got a good side. Um, and yeah, we'll, I, I think they're the main teams to look out for. Narino have struggled to start the season. Inverloch, not, not too sure about them yet. And um, OMK, it might be tough for them to compete without their um, gun batsmen, but we'll see how they go. Yes, absolutely. So a lot to look forward to there. Uh, round three completed last week and, of course, yep. round four to come today. Yeah, so one, one Thaggy Club's taking on Inverloch at uh, Butch West Oval today. OMK will be taking on the Imperials, Langa uh, Langatha Imperials, that is. Langatha Town will play it will play Coonwara, Langatha RSL, and Narina will host Phillip Island at the Langatha Turf. You mentioned Langatha Town and the Imperials. I read Jared Ruffhead's book earlier this year. He's a Langatha boy, of course, and he mentions the fierce rivalry between those two, the sort of inter-town rivalry, and I'd imagine that'd be pretty hectic as uh, well. Yeah, I can't comment too much on that, because I'm not too, yeah. too privy with those two clubs. That I've played a lot of cricket against Lingatha Imperials, but haven't come across Lingatha Town too much. But I know um, both both teams in Lingatha they they'd be very uh, desperate to be the team on top. And, uh, town <laughs> bragging has, rights. Yeah, Town has been in recent years, but um, when they won the A grade Division One flag. Um, two years ago mm. after being promoted from A2 and now the Imperials they're, they're back they're, they've um, been promoted in A grade and B grade in recent years and yeah, they're, they're back They're back mixing it with the best now. Now, you know I'm a venue nuffy, just to finish off with Sam. Yeah. Uh, I love my cricket grounds or just general sporting venues. And the country provides fantastic and very scenic, picturesque sporting venues. Yep. What would be your pick? If you look at it objectively, <laughs> take your, your hat off when it comes to Glenelvy, but when you look at turf and just the scenic views, what would be the best venue cricket-wise in this region? Yeah, I'll, I'll move my... Glenalvy bias aside and stick with Glenalvy by far, mate. It's, really? Yeah. Oh, no, nah, it's um, it's pretty unique, Glenalvy. It, it is up in the hills and from the cricket ground you can see through the hills into Wanthaggy, um, but there's there's plenty of picturesque grounds. As, as you said, the Coonwara has got a very nice ground. The arena's up on top of a hill that looks out yep. over some nice um, paddocks and that. And, yeah, there's plenty to name, but I'll, I'll go with Glenalvy. Uh, fair enough, too. I uh, drove through Warrigal earlier and a couple of grounds that stand out as well as you come in along the main road off the uh, Princess Freeway or Highway, whatever you'd like to call it. Uh, thank you very much, Sam, and best of luck with the wedding, and I'm sure you won't get too much stick from your teammates, would you? Thanks, Damon. <laughs> uh, hopefully not, mate. <laughs> Sam Watson giving us a bit of a preview of Round 4 action in the Ling and Gaffer and District Cricket Association. We'll continue on with our local cricket theme on the other side. This is Saturday's in
Gippsland on SEN track. 91.3 FM Southwest Gippsland and 91.9 FM Latrobe Valley, of course. For Harvey Norman Wonfaggy, your local store for computers and electrical. Free click and collect available now. We'll head to the news. Back with more on the other side. Yes, yeah, a big welcome back. You are listening to Saturdays in Gippsland. The rain's starting to fall just slightly here where we are at Harvey Norman Warrigal, but uh, not too heavy at this stage. And according to the radar, it looks as if it might pass through, hopefully for the local cricketers out there today. You're listening into 91.3 FM Southwest Gippsland SEN Track and, of course, 91.9 FM SEN Track Latrobe Valley for Harvey Norman Wonthaggy, your local store for computers and electrical. Free click and collect available now. So certainly a lot happening in some of the fixed just to come local cricket-wise. I'll just take you through some of the NBA fixtures because that's coming up within the next couple of hours. Uh, the Indiana Pacers to face the Miami Heat. The Washington Wizards and Cleveland Cavaliers do clash later on this morning. The Atlanta Hawks host the Philadelphia 76ers. The Brooklyn Nets to take on the Minnesota Timberwolves. They've been in the news. The Houston Rockets face off against the Orlando Magic. The Dallas Mavericks take on the New Orleans Pelicans early this afternoon. Utah Jazz with Joe Ingles aboard up against the Boston Celtics. The Golden State Warriors to face the Phoenix Suns and we've got the LA Derby, the LA Lakers up against the LA Clippers so certainly further fixtures to look forward to and from a cricketing point of view I should mention Bangladesh taking on Pakistan later on today in a one day and for those who missed it as well there was a test match between Sri Lanka and the West Indies in which the Sri Lankans won quite convincingly after they bowled the Windies out in their second dig for 132 so the Sri Lankans prevailing by 164 runs we'll take a quick break here on the other side we'll continue on with the local cricket theme and we'll be joined to discuss the Wallora v Western Park game the match of the round arguably in the Warrigal and District Cricket Association that'll be our talking point next here on Saturdays in Gippsland. Indeed you are listening to Saturdays in Gippsland we do this of course thanks to Harvey Norman Juan Thackey great supporters of ours and we're actually at the Harvey Norman store in Warrigal this morning. Dobie Watson with you across southwest Gippsland on SEN track 91.3 FM and SEN track Latrobe Valley 91.9 FM we continue our local cricket discussion and we divert from the Lee and Gaffer and District Cricket Association to the Warrigal and District Cricket Association and we're joined live from our broadcasting area by Damon Healy the coach of the Halora Cricket Club and he's the co-host host of the Gippsland Footy Show as well. He's got a big game ahead today, match of the round against Western Park. Thanks for joining us ahead of a big day, Damon. Thanks, mate. Got the late call up. I was actually folding the washing till I got <laughs> called up to come to Warrigal, so... Probably a good thing, you get out of doing the washing. Yeah, very true, but um, I think the wife looked at me and said, why are you going? But anyway, I was very happy to answer the call. <laughs> I could imagine. Uh, what are your chances today? Feeling confident? Um, always confident. Um, we've got a good team in and so do they. So it should be a very exciting match. Um, hopefully this weather can yeah. bugger off. But yeah. Um, yeah, no, it should be a good day's cricket, I think, hopefully. Well, looking at the radar before, it seems like it'll pass through. So that'll be the main hope. Uh, just in terms of the actual club as well, how is it tracking participation-wise? And I guess you look at the on-field stuff, but the off-field stuff very important too. Um, well... If for people that don't know, Halora is in the middle of nowhere pretty much and for such a small community there are very good participations there and we've got some great young juniors coming through. We've got two young blokes in the side this week in Liam Sarong and, and Notman um, who are coming along very nicely and more coming up through the ranks. So considering where its position locally was, there's not much there but it's fantastic in that sort of things. Well, that's probably a good reflection on the club as well, the fact that there's not much else within that area and yet people are willing to flock to the actual club. Yeah, no, and I, I think the biggest thing for me going out there is um, the family aspect 
they do about things, you know, dinners on Thursday nights, and it's, I, I think it's a brilliant place. So, um, yeah, no, they do everything right. Tell us about some of the alumni that have come through. Uh, the boss of this particular station, Craig Hutchinson, I understand, played at the club for a year. Yes, apparently he did. I, I haven't spoken to him, not that I've ever met Hutchie, but apparently Hutchie played out there. Out there. Um, Caleb Sarong, who's currently on the yes. Freeman Rising Star winner. Yep. And his uh, younger brother, Jai, just got drafted to Hawthorne. Yep. And uh, last year we had um, John Newcomb playing for us, who was a mid-season draftee. So there's some fair pedigree out that way. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, when it comes to playing cricket, a lot of youngsters have to make the choice between footy and cricket. Uh, tell us about what they're like, or what they were like uh, at the club as young men and as characters as well. Um, well, I, I didn't play with uh, Joy or um, Caleb Strong, yeah. so I missed out on them. But I played against Caleb, and you could tell he definitely had it. Yeah. Um, but clearly much better at footy. And Joy Newcomb, just a big, strong boy that could whack a cricket ball. But, you know, good family values. So his, his family are lovely and so is he. All right. Uh, fantastic to have that alumni as well. Just ahead of the actual season, obviously, we've had the extenuating circumstances of COVID affect things, but seem to be in full swing again. Uh, what are your thoughts on your team's prospects going forward for the rest of the season? Oh, I think, you know, definitely we're going to be up there again after winning the Premiership uh, last yep. season. So there's no reason why we can't look to try and do that again. But, I mean, there's a lot of hurdles to go through. You know, we've got to play everyone twice in one day. And we're probably more suited to two-day cricket. But, you know, that's the challenges we have to face for the season. And we just go ahead and hopefully keep winning. Just as I let you go, Damon, you mentioned before about winning the Premiership last season. How long did the celebrations go for? They often get wild when it comes to the cricket. Well, I actually got called into work on our Tuesday oh, morning, no. so I had to get my boss to pick me up to take me to work because, yeah, we were a bit short on staff. But no, nah, surely he understood. This is a you know once in a generation yeah, title, well, not necessarily with how successful you guys are, but uh, it's still a big event. He's a drawn faithful, so he might have said, "Yeah, that's enough." From Laura's no. perspective, and said you can cut stumps. So no, nah, it was good celebration and hopefully we can do it again. Well, Damon, very nice to meet you. All the best for today against Western Park and go well. Thank you. Damon Healy, the coach of the Halora Cricket Club, co-host of the Gippsland Footy Show as well, joining us here on Saturdays in Gippsland. A big clash ahead in the Warragula District Cricket Association. We'll take a break and speaking of cricket, particularly in this region, Dara Berry, a synonymous name in Victorian cricket. He'll join us to preview the Ashes and, of course, the Big Bash as well. This is Saturdays in Gippsland on SEN Track, Southwest Gippsland, 91.3 FM, and SEN Track, Latrobe Valley, 91.9 FM. We do this for Harvey Norman Wonthaki. Welcome back. Hope you're enjoying your Saturday morning. This is Saturdays in Gippsland. Doby and Watson with you for Harvey Norman Wonthaki, your local store for computers and electrical. Free click and collect available now. Well, cricket's on the lips of many people at the moment with the Ashes series on the horizon. A build-up, a big build-up in more ways than one, both on and off the field, it's fair to say, in recent weeks. But we finally get stuck into the nitty-gritty of it. And, of course, the big bash is on the horizon as well. So plenty happening locally in Australia when it comes to cricket and a man, well, speaking of being synonymous with Victorian cricket, our next guest is just that. And he's synonymous with this local area as well in Wonthaggy. He's a man from that region. I speak of Darren Chuckberry, who's part of the SEN cricket commentary team with the Big Bash. He joins us on the line. How are you, Chuck? Good morning, Dana. Uh, Damien, and, and really good morning to all the Gippslanders. I was wrapped when uh, I got the call to say, come on and have a chat to the Gippslanders this morning because I do have some fond memories of growing up uh, in that region, playing country week cricket and schoolboys all through the region. And you mentioned Montaggy. I know your show is sponsored by Harvey Norman in Montaggy. So 
we've got the preliminaries out of the way. A bit to look forward to, isn't there? Oh, certainly is. I might as well just ask you about growing up in the region. Tell us about your memories and how you fell in love with the game of cricket and how the country culture, I guess, fostered that love. Yeah, good question and was great, to be honest. I mean, it's a long time ago now, but my uh, my parents lived in Dandenong in Melbourne and Dad retired and we, and we moved to Wonsaggy when I was in about grade five at, at primary right. school. And I was a bit apprehensive, you know, going to the country, quite a life, but it was the best thing my parents ever did for me because... I had a great grounding in Wonthaggy, and sport played a, a big role um, in everyone's lives but down there with the local footy club and uh, there was real rivalry back then between Wonthaggy Rovers and Wonthaggy Blues. It's now the Wonthaggy Power combined, but I played for the Rovers. We were like the poor cousin up against the big dominant uh, Blues, but they were some great footy memories. And then as a cricketer, um, I had some really good role models in Wonthaggy, people that looked after me and took me under their wing. I always played, Damien, as a young boy, I always played with men, and I would encourage you know, talented youngsters, the quicker you can play with men, that was a great learning curve for me. And as I said, throughout the region, in Wonthaggy, um, and then I actually moved over to the Lee and Gaffer competition, which was perceived at the time to be slightly stronger than the Wonthaggy comp, and I, I played, you ready for this? I played with a team mm-hmm. called Outram Moyara Kongwak. <laughs> uh, we'll shorten that demo to OMK. Yes. And probably one of the best batters in the region, a guy by the name of Steve McNamara. He was the opening batter, and uh, he took me under his wing. I actually blame him for the fact that I didn't really become uh, a great batter because he was my coach, and I hope he's listening this morning. <laughs> he's now my accountant and, uh, and, a, and a lifelong friend. So, look, playing Country Week in Gippsland, uh, we had a Sale Mafra tournament, you know, right down through that region. I've got still got today some great friends, right up until playing in the under-21 competition, Damien, and you've poked the bear here because I am passionate about the region, playing for South Gippsland against Gippsland and um, a lot of great memories. I was probably I was probably only 15 years of age playing in the under-21 competition uh, before I eventually um, was scouted to go to Melbourne and I went down and made my debut at Fitzroy Doncaster. I was still in year 11 at school at Wonthaggy High School. And that's where my cricket started. So I can't speak highly enough, Damo, of the, of the region and the people that influenced me early. That's a fantastic rundown, Chuck. And I understand as a 15 and 16-year-old, there's a great clip on YouTube of you uh, basically executing. Was it a leg side stumping off the bowling of Paul Rifle? Correct me if I'm wrong. But you were keeping up to the stumps to quick bowlers even in the seniors as a 15, 16-year-old of the local area as well as I understand it. Yeah, no, good research. And that was probably something that I, that I did from a very young age. I mentioned Dandenong, Damien, and that's where mum and dad, I should be more precise and, and say actually Dufton, which is a pretty knockabout working class area. Mm. And uh, my cricket started as a real young boy in a vacant, in, in a paddock. We called it the paddock. And all the kids from the area, which I don't think happens enough these days, we played um, after school. There'd probably be 12 to 15 kids every night and like a lot of kids my age, you know, 50 plus, we'd paint the white lines, we'd mow a strip in the middle of the paddock, and they had the back fence, Damo, as if you nick it between here and that paling, you're out, or the old nick it into the trampoline, you're out. Well, I didn't like that. I used to get in behind the stumps to these much older kids when I was, you know, 10, and I'd keep up to the stumps with the bare hands, albeit with a taped-up tennis ball, and I think that's where the love of the game and the the sort of real verve for keeping up to the stumps begun. I moved to Wonthaggy, told them mm. I was a wicket keeper. Um, and then, yeah, I stood up to the stumps a lot in country cricket, as as you said, as a 14, 15-year-old boy. 
And some of the older men probably didn't like it. They thought, who's this little upstart standing up to the stumps? <laughs> and that probably carried through to the MCG when I got David Boone down the leg side off Paul Rifle, who still to this day is not happy that he's got a stumping on his on his wickets taken column. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that, though. It's, uh, it's I guess, uh, gained a bit of a cult following that dismissal over time, hasn't it? We're speaking with Darren Chuck Berry on the line. May as well have a little bit of a preview of the Ashes, Chuck. I mean, it's been a big build-up, a lot of it happening off-field, but we get stuck into the on-field stuff on Wednesday with the commencement of the first test. What are your thoughts on the whole keeping situation and how that's transpired with the whole debate with Alex Carey, Josh Inglis, etc.? How have you seen it all unfold? Yeah, well, firstly, obviously, it's very disappointing and sad what's happened down in Hobart with Tim Payne, but enough's been said about that. Mm. Personally, I was asked about two weeks ago when it broke, and, and not that my vote counts, but I believe that, uh, that James Pearson from Queensland was the, the, the best keeper, and I always lean towards the best keeper. Um, however, I knew the decision was going to come down to Alex Carey and Josh Inglis, and either way, the selectors went, I think, was a pretty handy choice. We're actually spoiled, I think, in this country at the moment. We've actually got some really good wicket-keeper batsmen. So uh, I'm very happy with the process I've been through. Kerry's probably been the anointed one, you know, mm. captain his country at one-day level. Hard-working, solid, really quality bloke. Obviously, when I coached um, South Australia and the Adelaide Strikers for five years, Alex Carey had just come back to the game after football from the GWS, which is another little side story that people yes. may have read. But he's a real quality sportsman, human being. You know, he's now 30 years of age, so he's experienced. Um, a few past players were pushing for English, but I, I like the fact that Kerry's earned this opportunity, and I think he'll be a, a really solid selection, both with the gloves and with the bat. Now, I'm a cricket venue, nothing, Chuck. Now, Hobart it was reported yesterday is in the box seat to beat out Melbourne and Sydney to host the fifth test. You've played a lot of domestic grounds for many years. What are your thoughts? Do you think Hobart should have its moment in the sun or are you of the opinion that it should go to one of the bigger grounds to host potentially two tests in the one series, say, at the MCG? Yeah, another really interesting debate and question. Selfishly, selfishly, I'd love to have the second one at the MCG, but they're selfish reasons because we've been starved of sport for two years <laughs> here in Victoria. And I'd love nothing more than that. How good would it be middle of January to have an MCG test? You've got the Australian Open going on just across the way. It'd be a sport, you said cricket nuffy. It'd be a sporty nuffy's heaven and I'd be there. Yes. But honestly, you know, if I take my impartial Victorian hat off, why wouldn't Hobart, you know, want a test match? They've got an excellent facility at Blunston Arena. They can put the lights on. Yeah, they're not going to get as much crowd as the MCG or the SCG, and they're not going to raise the revenue. But that doesn't mean Hobart should miss out. So I've got a bit of a soft spot there and think, well, you know, if we're a truly national game, we need to spread spread the uh, marmalade around. So selfishly, MCG, purposely, uh, Hobart. Yeah, I'm with you about Hobart because traditionally when it comes to an Ashes summer, the Hobart match has often been a tour match between England and Australia A over the years and I think they had a one day played there between Australia and England. It was a beauty too back in 2002 slash 03 where Damian Martin I think scored a century, uh, left it till the last ball of the innings to score a century down there at Bell Reeve. So it'd be great if uh, they had their moment in the sun but again that's a debate for another day or I suppose it's a debate for the present time as well and many people would have different opinions. What about the Big Bash coming up? You're part of the Big Bash Nation coverage, Chuck. What are your 
your thoughts on the competition itself? There's been a lot spoken about the quality of it and how it compares to other domestic T20 competitions. What are your thoughts on the season ahead and who's going to be likely to be in the box seat to take out the title? Yeah, well, I love the Big Bash and very much looking forward to calling the action on SEN. I think my first game's on Monday night from memory. I've got the thunder and the heat, but we'll be covering all the matches on SEN, so you won't miss a minute of the action. I love the competition. I love the concept. Um, I was lucky enough to coach in it for four seasons over in Adelaide. I still believe, Damien, they they drag it on too long. I think the tournament's too long. It should be done, I reckon, in five weeks. Five weeks, but it's sort of seven to eight weeks. If they could shorten it, a few more double-headers. That's just for the logistics of it. Uh, And then when it first started, that you were getting big-name internationals. I think we've probably dropped the ball a little bit there. There's a few decent ones around this year that are coming in and and Rashid Khan for the Adelaide Strikers has been a sensation. You know, the leg spinner from Afghanistan, he's the best in the world. Uh, So Adelaide have done well there with Rashid. Um, The two Melbourne teams, obviously, this year, Renegade's coming off Stone Motherless. They've got a new set-up, new coach, new captain. Can they rise this year? And the, the Melbourne Stars, eh? They're a little bit like the football team that I follow, Damien. Um, St Kilda? The old Saints. St Kilda. No flags to show for a lot of effort for the Melbourne Stars. Is it this year? I'm not sure. I'm looking at their list. You know, I've got all the lists down in front of me in preparation. At full strength, they're pretty good, you know, with Stoinis and um, and Maxwell in the lineup and Adam Zampa. But if those guys go away to the Australian one-day side, I'm just not sure their list's strong enough to win it. Sorry to say, Melbourne Stars. I like the Hobart Hurricanes and never go past the Sydney Sixers. They've won back-to-back. Greg Shippard's the coach. Experienced. They've got some great players and a few handy overseas players as well in, in Vince, Jordan, Curran, and, and remember the name, Carlos Braithwaite. Sydney Sixers will be up there. I hope the Melbourne sides are shaking the cage. And I've always got to... Yeah, I think the Hobart Hurricanes list pretty good too. Yeah, you mentioned Greg Shippard. I've spoken to Bryce McGain in the past. He's very, very praiseworthy of Greg Shippard and the way he goes about it as a coach. Uh, Chuck, just to finish off, we've to divert back to the Ashes. What are your predictions of the series itself? A lot of people are suggesting Australia at home should be too strong, but you never know with England. I know there's been questions about their batting depth over the last probably 12 months, but what are your thoughts on the outcome of the series? Yeah, look, I think we, I think we will win the series. I don't think it'll be a whitewash. I don't, I don't expect it to be a five niller. You know, the, the weather in Brisbane could be, could be important. Although I think the wicket's going to do a bit. Whoever wins the toss might have a big say in this game up there. But you know, when you've got guys in that side, uh, well, Joe Root, obviously the backbone of the batting. Uh, ben Stokes is a massive inclusion for England, massive inclusion. And then whether you love them or hate them, Broad and Anderson with the ball, uh, very, very good. So don't just think this is an easy Ashes. I think it's going to be competitive. I think Australia will win. So we might go 3-1, you know, maybe with a draw, or if I was being um, honest about my assessment of where the series is at. Well, Chuck, appreciate your time. All the best for Big Bash Nation ahead and for the Ashes as well. Anytime, Damo, and uh, all my love to the Gippslanders today. Ah, good stuff. Love Darren Chuckberry joining us on the line. For Harvey Norman Wonthaki, your local store for computers and electrical, free click and collect available now. More to come on the other side with a few guests, including Jared Blair and Bo Vernon. Stay tuned to Saturdays in Gippsland. Harvey Norman Wonthaki, your local store for computers and electrical, free click and collect available now. Live on SEN Track, Latrobe Valley 91.9 FM. And SEN Track, Southwest Gippsland 91.3 FM. 
welcome to Saturdays in Gippsland. It's a good time of the week, isn't it? A Saturday morning, particularly in a country town where we are in Warrigal for Saturdays in Gippsland on SEN track 91.3 FM Southwest Gippsland and, of course, 91.9 FM SEN track Latrobe Valley. Damien Watson with you. Yeah, the town is buzzing at the moment. People are out and about getting their shopping done. We're actually in front of the Harvey Norman Warrigal store at the present time. And, yeah, just seeing all the bustling that's going on, uh, people getting ready for their local cricket match as well. So a lot happening uh, at this time of the week. And I think people are just happy to be in the early stages of the weekend. Uh, we we're hoping to get Jared Blair and also Bo Verdon on the line. We'll endeavour to do so in the coming moments. I should mention too, it was great to have Darren Chuck Berry on the line as well, just to get a bit of an insight into growing up in the region as well. Uh, it was fantastic. He was very passionate about the area and what it did for him as a young cricketer going forward and he was scouted and eventually went on to have a great and long career with Victoria. I think he started in the late 1980s and went through until around the 2000, early 2004 actually when Victoria won the Sheffield Shield title. They defeated Queensland effectively in the final at the MCG when Victoria scored a massive total around about, I think it was the 600 mark in the first innings and they ultimately claimed the title there. So we'll also have Ian Robertson this hour, a man who himself grew up in the Wonthaggy region uh, before he was recruited to head to the Carlton Football Club and ended up at Footscray as well towards the back half of his career. Peter Landy to join us. We might get Rob James on the line as well to potentially preview Bathurst, a big weekend there, traditional weekend, not necessarily because we're used to it taking place in October as opposed to the early part of December. But uh, obviously with extenuating circumstances, we've got the COVID situation affecting things. Now, uh, Sam Watson joining us here in the booth at SEN Track just in regards to our show. Uh, we'll have Ian Robertson on the line very shortly. Uh, just tell us a little bit about the effect that Bo Vernon has had on the region as well. He's obviously the Phillip Island coach. And, yeah. And just his story as well. Uh, there's uh, not many bigger figures in local sport down our way than Bo Vernon at the moment, mate. And for good reason, he's been able to do amazing things um, after a terrible accident on the footy field, probably, mm. as you said, nearly about, I'd say, seven 2012, or eight years it was. Yeah, 2012, yeah. okay. So, yeah, in that time, he's won a, he coached Lean Gatha um, and won a flag with them. And then he moved back to his original club, Phillip Island, and um, he's been pretty much perfect there, mate, if it wasn't for COVID. Um, mm. he, he probably would have had maybe three or four flags but he's won two in 2018 and 2019 they finished on top of the ladder this year after only losing one game so they looked set to win it again but um, yeah we'll, we'll hear all about his story hopefully soon but I think Ian, Ian Robertson's on the line mate Yes, uh, great to welcome in Ian Robertson, a man who grew up in the Wonthaggy region. He was actually born in Footscray, grew up in the Wonthaggy region and was recruited to the Carlton Football Club and was a multiple premiership winning star there in the late 60s and early 70s. Became a well-known commentator as well on Channel 7 as one of the voices of Friday Night Football for many years. Robbo, great to talk to you. Thanks for joining us on this Saturday morning. Yeah, good morning and uh, yeah, it's good to be with you and uh just listening to uh, about Bo Vernon, which was interesting because uh, his father was uh, a, a prominent person in uh, AFL circles as well. 
That's right. I think uh, Daryl was his name, and he played for Richmond and Sydney uh, back in the day. He played about 15 games, so quite right there, yeah. Robbo. Uh, mm. Just tell us a little bit about your time growing up in the Wonthaggy region. How did it work that you were born in Footscray? Did the family move then to Wonthaggy while you were at an early age? Oh, yeah, we had uh, roots in Campbell Street in uh, in uh, Wontaggy. My grandparents lived there and my mother was uh, was born and bred in Wontaggy and uh, she, as a nurse, finished up in uh, in Melbourne, met my father and he worked for the railways and the state coal mine in Wontaggy was part of the railways and he got a transfer back and I was two years of age when I went back there and uh, lived, actually played... Uh, under, uh, oh well, it would have been under 16 football with Dalston because they started the juniors in Wontaggy. I got a game and just watched the ball sail over my head in the forward pocket, couldn't touch it. <laughs> and then all the bigger kids got, got involved. It was the start of the juniors, start of the under 16s. And anyway, cut a long story short, I couldn't get a game in Wontaggy. And uh, dad took me out to play with Dalston and uh. And when I came back, I went to boarding school for a couple of years at Sale. And when I came back, I said to Dad, what, who should I play for? And he said, well, they gave you a game. When you couldn't get a game in Wontaggy, they gave you a game in the juniors out of Dalston. So hence, I played there for three years. Fantastic. And just tell us a bit about the camaraderie within a country footy club as well. I mean, is that something you took with you to the VFL? I know it's a bit different, you know, going to the big competition, but just the atmosphere around a country footy club. Do you have fond memories of that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I don't think you ever forget when you're young, uh, you know, at 17. I can tell you a little story. We played, uh, we actually played Phillip Island. You spoke about Phillip Island and... uh, Bo Vernon, um, we played Phillip Island in the grand final and uh, oh, it was a bit of a titanic struggle and we won, won the game but I was playing centre-half forward on a bloke named Alan Cleland he was a big, tough, rough character hmm. and uh, our full-back was a bloke named Ron Bullen and I vividly remember when we ran on the ground and we broke up to take positions and all the rest of it, he walked past me and he said loud enough for the other bloke to hear, for the opponent to hear, you go for everything with every bit of confidence that you can because if you don't, if, if you get a whack behind the ear, you know we'll be there to back you up. Mm. And for six, I was 17 and uh, uh, the, the fellow, Ron Bullen, I mean, you might have people that would remember him. He was a, if, if we go as far as Wontaggy and Dalston, you'll have people listening that would know him. He was full back and he was a rough, tough bloke too. So, it was a terrific fillip for a person like me as just a young kid. Oh, absolutely. And did that help you going forward playing in the VFL, Robbo, with some of these big, tough country blokes? Did that maybe ease the pressure or intensity a little bit just from a mental point of view when you did go to the big league in the big smoke? Oh, well, I can tell you a story there. I played in a practice match on Gouldy. The last practice match of the year in 1966, and I was I was I was actually getting a kick on Gouldy. He was state centre half back, and Sergio Silvani walked past. It was an intra club practice match, and Sergio Silvani walked past, and, and I heard him say, "Why don't you give him a whack behind the ear and see if he can cope with that?" And I thought, God Almighty, I think I might be playing football with you next week if I can survive this. But the, you know, I think that might have been his way of saying. Well, there you are. Uh, this is what the big league's about, and that's what you've got to p- probably cope with a little bit. 
But you, you, you copped it in the bush. I mean, it, the bush football, you know, it's a long time ago, and the bush football was... I remember a bloke named Harry Bolam, I think. Uh, he played with uh, one of the Wonsaggy teams. It might have been East Shops or Rovers. And he was a really, really tough. They were tough. Uh, uh, John Buckley and Noel Buckley were involved with Daleston. And this, this is, I'm talking about as a child. We lived in Currenborough Road in Wonsaggy. And it was just opposite the football grounds. And we spent all of our time over the road playing kick and paper footballs through the goals. I mean, it was a great upbringing. We were real. And, and today, you let your child out of your, out of your sight, mm. you know, we could do anything in one family. So it was a great town to... I spent, uh, what, from two years of age until I was 15 when I went off to boarding school. Yeah, fantastic. And, yeah, things have changed, mm. haven't they, when it comes to, to bringing up kids in the sense that uh, it can be difficult to allow them to have free reign. We're speaking with Ian Robertson, a multiple Carlton Premiership player in the late 60s, early 70s, who grew up in the Wonthaggy region, and that's where he cut his teeth playing footy. Hey, Robbo, I was lucky enough to speak to you earlier this year about your commentary career. Uh, since then, Sergio Silvani, a man you mentioned before, has passed away. Uh, I'm not sure if you've been asked about your memories of playing playing alongside him as a teammate and as a person as well. What were your memories, uh, given there were a lot of tributes towards him and the family earlier this year? Oh, look, uh, ever reliable, uh, very ordinary kick, <laughs> strong as an ox, strong as an ox. Well, he came from an era where we just used to basically get the ball and kick it. Now they get the ball and hold it and look just sideways, look left, kick it 15 metres here, 15 metres there. He, his, his attitude was get it, first of all, get it, and, um, and then force it forward as best you could. I mean, he was as strong as an ox. He, he grabbed a bloke named Wayne Walsh, who played with Richmond in South Melbourne, mm. and he grabbed him by the throat one day at Princess Park, and I thought, I, I mean, I didn't see Serge get upset he was very determined, but he didn't get upset. Mm. And this particular day, grabbed Wayne Walsh by the throat, and I thought he was going to kill him. <laughs> and I thought, well, I wonder what Wayne Walsh has done to him. And it would be something uh, historically known as uh, gorilla grips and stuff like that, if mm. people can understand. He must yeah. have done something terrible, because Serge was not the sort of bloke that... Uh, he was just so determined. He was never, he was never beaten, but he wasn't... A, he wasn't a dirty player as in uh, punching blokes in the head and stuff like that. Yes, and uh, very fitting tribute, Robbo. Just in regards to the region in this Wonfaggy area, do you still follow the competition today? Did you follow it at all when you went over to the VFL to play with Carlton and Footscray and when you called footy? I mean, do you ever come back very often? Oh, yeah. I mean, um, a good friend of mine passed away about 18 months ago. Uh, Gerald Brosnan, and he was very heavily involved at Dalston, and his son, um, Paul, was uh, captain and coach and had a lot of success there. And um, I don't know, you know, sometimes my brother, who's older than me, doesn't show the same interest. I don't, don't quite know whether it was... Um, look, we both, we both were there for 13 or 14 years, he did his uh, uh, much of his secondary edu- education at Wonthaggy, and he went off to boarding school as well. And then he then he left and, and went to Teachers College. 
but I left and went to work in Melbourne. So, you know, some people do remember and are attached and some people just move on and and, and that's the end of their connection with where they came from. But uh, I've always thought never, ever forget uh, where you came from. You know, it doesn't mm. matter where you are in in your life, you know, somewhere along the line. I mean, I had some great t- times with my grandparents in Campbell Street in Wonkagi. And um, would, would this, uh, would the listening audience go as far as Wonkagi? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Well, you know, they, the people can realise there. Um, I mean, uh, we had great memories of playing. We just played, we played the fool, you know, from two years of age, not two, but being back there at two and not leaving until you're 15. And, you know, when I was, I was 15 and 16, I had to come back from holidays from school. And then 17, 18 and 19, I spent weekends playing football and cricket in the town. So uh, the connection was not just until I went to boarding school. It was for the other five years as well. And you grew up uh, oh, just knocking around the town. It was as simple as that. You know, we, there, was a, there was a little uh, spare a lump of ground up behind Campbell Street and on a Sunday uh, all the kids in the area used to gravitate towards this lump of ground and we had uh, scrap teams, you know, make-up teams and it was it varied from week to week but we kicked the football with uh, all the young kids that lived in the area and uh, mm. it, there was, I don't even think we had an umpire, you know, it was a bit of a <laughs> keepings off type thing but it was a great education, and uh, I'm, I, look, I, I haven't got a lot of friends down there, don't get me wrong, but I, I never ever forgot uh, Gerald Brosnan and all the blokes I played football with at Daleston. They were, we had one reunion that, that was really good where Colin McRae and Bernie McRae, I mean, Bernie's gone uh, over the last couple of years. We've lost probably lost a, a few of them. Maxie Williams was uh, involved, and... Uh, as I say, Ronnie Bullen, Peter Membry, um, uh, Johnny Chisholm, the Balding Boys, Toby and Johnny, Johnny Balding, and uh, uh, oh, look, I can knock up naming them. You know, <laughs> I, 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 I haven't forgotten. I'll, I'll never forget the the great times that uh, that I had in Montague. Oh, brilliant stuff. It is important to recognise where you came from and uh, it's great that you have those memories, Robbo. And you mentioned the Brosnan name, Paul Skeeter Brosnan. is a 2015 yep. Premiership playing coach at Dalston and uh, multiple Premiership player at Wob Faggy Power as well. Hey, Robbo, really appreciate your time. Thanks for taking our call on this Saturday morning to reminisce about your time growing up in the Wonthaggy region. All the best going forward, particularly where you're living in Beland, mate. All the best. Yeah, that's it. Beland's a great little town. But there ain't much happening in the land. <laughs> <laughs> Good on you, Robbo. All the best, mate. <laughs> all, right. all right. All the best to your listeners. Thanks very much. Ian Robertson, great to have him on the line to reminisce about his time growing up in the Wadthaggy region. Went on to play multiple premierships with Carlton in the late 60s and early 70s and became a well-known television commentator as well. We'll take a break. Bo Verda to join us on the other side. You're listening to Saturdays in Gippsland. We're at the Harvey Norman store in Warrigal this morning, but we do this, of course, for Harvey Norman Wadthaggy, your local store for computers and electrical. Free click and collect available now. 
Welcome back. Nice and sunny where we are at Harvey Norman Warrigal this morning for Saturdays in Gippsland on SEN Track 91.3 FM Southwest Gippsland and 91.9 FM SEN Track Latrobe Valley. Damien Watson with you for Harvey Norman Wonthaggy, your local store for computers and electrical. Free click and collect available now. Well, our next guest, it's fair to say, has captured the imagination and certainly the hearts of a lot of people in the Australian footballing fraternity with the way he fought back from an on-field accident and certainly done well to become a coach in the local region with Phillip Island after he coached Leah Gaffer to a premiership in 2017. They won the grand final of course by a solitary point over Mafra that year. He's still at the helm at Phillip Island at the moment. I speak of the great man Bo Vernon who has joined us on the line. Thanks so much for your time Bo. Yeah thanks for having us Damien. No worries at all. Uh, just tell us a little bit about how things are going with the whole COVID situation and how that fits in with your role as a Phillip Island coach. Was it difficult not only this year but throughout the last two years trying to keep contact with the players and everything like that? Oh, yes. Definitely uh, had its challenges for a lot of people over the last couple of years, but you can only do what you can do. And, um, yeah, we're still good vibe and good culture at the island and um yeah majority of the players you know like um still enjoying themselves when we're down at the club and whatnot so yeah it's been um sort of need to let people do their own thing and you know we started off doing some stuff online early days last year um and then you sort of everyone gets a bit over it and um (laughs) you, you need yeah you just you don't want to push too much in those times, so just give blokes space as well um, as connecting with the ones that needed that connection as well. Did you think you were on track for another flag this year? Because you were obviously going well. You finished on top of the ladder with 10 wins and one loss. I suppose it's easy to look back and think, oh, gee, what what a shame, you know, if things hadn't worked out and all these external problems hadn't arisen, uh, you would have been a big chance for the flag. But uh, ultimately, is it easy to look back and think, oh, gee, an opportunity lost out of our control? Well, definitely. It's, um, yeah, two years, I would say. You know, last two years we've been... It's not every year your club's in a window of opportunity to mm. challenge um, for, for premiership success. You know, like, um, Philip on yeah, haven't won that many premierships in 80, 90 years. And at the moment we're, you know, we're in a really hot you know, a good spot and uh, as a club. But, you know, obviously nothing's nothing's guaranteed and a lot of water to go under the bridge. Uh, but, yeah, we were tracking along nicely. We felt like this season we had a number of players um, starting to come back towards the business end of the year as well in terms of from injury and, and different things that didn't end up uh, eventuating. So, yeah, it's, uh, not much you do about it. So, mm. yeah, but, um, yeah, we would have loved to have been challenged and thought we were, you know, a good show along with another number of other teams as well. Why do you think your club's in a good spot at the moment? In terms of retention of players, that's been a big issue for clubs in terms of community sport right across the state and indeed probably the country during these COVID times because circumstances change with jobs etc I suppose the success of your club has meant that various players have been retained how have you found that aspect of it and why do you think your on-field success of late or your on-field reputation has been as good as it has been Um, I suppose the 
just good people around around the club at the moment. Um, all sort of buying into having a good time and and working towards a similar, you know, same same direction and same path and uh, connection there amongst amongst the group and just good. Yeah, it comes down to good people and um, you know, back when I played at Phillip Island, I think we used to have about probably yeah ten blokes rock up to training. And now we've got full buying, full buying from the group, and it's enjoyable to be a part of when when everyone's down there and throwing banter and and training hard at the same time. So that's um, yeah, a large part of it is just people enjoying um, their time down at, down at the club. Uh, yeah. It's a community sport. We need to make sure as coaches and as administrators and and then players as well that yeah that. We're, we're having fun and we're enjoying it because that's what it's about. We're speaking with Bo Vernon, the coach of the Phillip Island Footy Club. Who's going to be some of the contenders to the throne, do you think, next year in the West Gippsland football and netball competition? Um, in the in the ones um, there, you know, Turidan and Inverloch and I don't know, uh, Coraline, there's, uh, Bunya picked up a fair few, it looks like, and um, come over, did I say Inverloch? Um, yeah, but yeah, who knows? Really, uh, everyone, everyone's going well this time of year, and uh, just wait until till next year and see see how everyone's going. But can't control what other clubs are doing. You can sort of only control what what you guys are doing, and um, yeah. yeah, we'll just uh, see see how we go. We've got back into not a big fan of training pre Christmas um, community <laughs> footy. I think it's it's too too long of a year, but you sort of need to cater for, for all needs. And, um, you know, if some blokes are just profit, uh, you know, going all these other teams are training and or you're trying to recruit a player and they're like, oh, they're training, you're not training um, and whatnot. The week, we, we run, yeah, two and a half weeks for 23 and unders. And if you're older than that, you're more than welcome to come down and, and get involved and stuff like that. So back into it and it was good good fun night during the week. On Wednesday, first session back into it. Oh, good stuff. Uh, just wanted to ask you, Bo. I think you took over as coach at Lee and Gaffer in 2015. Correct me if I'm wrong. You were 26 years of age at the time, and uh, you said, I think, in an interview on Open Mic, that's quite young, obviously, to be a coach, and you're obviously directing players that are older than you are. How have you found over the last six years your development as a coach, and I guess balancing the authority side of things to the mentoring side of things? Have you learned a lot over the last six or so years? Oh yeah, you learn you learn a lot definitely as you go, and um, a lot of times from yeah making mistakes, you you learn from learn from those times or just reflection or going yeah I wish I oh, I should have done this a bit better or I should have done this a bit differently and and just experience of you know um, dealing with different personalities and that's like I think in life the more you, time you put into it the more you're gonna learn learn about it and the more you're gonna grow from it so. Um, yeah, it's been uh, it's been a it's a, been a good journey um, so far, and um, yeah, learn a lot, and and think I've grown as a person as a lot a lot um, throughout the experience, and and then also I feel like I've helped other people grow as well, um, being coach and and sort of helping players in the team. 
Oh, good stuff, Bo. Really appreciate your time and best of luck for the pre-season training for those who are turning up pre-Christmas and all the best uh, for next year from my perspective, mate. Thanks very much. Uh, of course, you're a regular yeah, guest on this show as well, so there's a lot to look forward to radio-wise for you too. Yeah, cheers, cheers, Damien. Yeah, look forward to getting involved a little bit. Fantastic stuff. Bo Vernon, the coach of the Phillip Island Footy Club, and it'll be great to get his regular contributions going forward on Saturdays in Gippsland. We'll take a break for the news. We do this for Harvey Norman Wadthaggy, your local store for computers and electrical. Free click and collect available now. Jared Blair and Peter Landy to come. Thanks very much for joining us on Saturdays in Gippsland on SEN Track 91.3 FM in southwest Gippsland and 91.9 FM SEN Track in the Latrobe Valley. Damien Watson here with you on this Saturday morning. All thanks to Harvey Norman Wonthaggy, your local store for computers and electrical. Free click and collect available now. The next guest has been to the top of the mountain in AFL football as a premiership player with Collingwood in 2010. He's currently the coach of the Wonthaggy Power, going back to his roots to where he's from. I speak of Jerry. Blair and he's been kind enough to join us on the line and he'll be a regular guest going forward and contributor on Saturdays in Gippsland. Thanks for your time, Jared. No worries, Damien. Thanks for having me, mate. Uh, how are things going at the moment as a coach pre-season-wise? You got stuck into the pre-Christmas training or you're letting the blokes uh, effectively uh, let their hair down a little bit? Uh, what's the process at this point? Um, no, we've been back into it. We've sort of been, been going, I think, probably three weeks now. Um, Getting the two sessions in a week, we've yeah, it's been it's been a good start actually. Boys have all turned up and pretty good, Nick. All things considered, um, and it was a bit of a weird finish to the year. You know, obviously, it was mm. I think our last game was in August, um, but we sort of strung along until the end of September until we were finally called off. So we'd had a massive break, but we sort of hadn't. We everyone was ticking along up until that um, the final call was made. So yeah, the boys have all presented pretty well and. Training's been sharp. A um, couple of sessions to go, and we'll break up for Christmas and sort of have a month off and get back together late Jan and get stuck in. Just in terms of the way the side is tracking going back to, obviously, August. You only lost one game this year. What are your expectations going forward, and what are the main points of improvement from your perspective on field that you're looking to focus on? Um, oh, we've got a few areas we sort of want to continue to improve at. We were... You know, we were pretty happy with the way we were tracking last season. Um, you know, we played some good footy. We played some just okay footy. But we were sort of finding that when we were actually able to get a bit of a run at it and play three or four games in a row without any interruptions, we all started to click um, and play some decent decent football. So we're just looking forward to having a clear run at it, to be honest. And, you know, hopefully have an uninterrupted season. You get a good block of games in. You have your one or two buys for the year and really see where we can we can get to. As a side, you know, a lot of these boys have um, come through junior footy together uh, and sort of looking to, to get that synergy going at senior level as well. So, it's, it's um, yeah, we think there's plenty of upside. There's, there's, yeah, there's bits and pieces that we can be improving on always. Um, but the main thing for us was just keeping our core group together and keeping everyone on track and motivated because it's a little bit, um, I suppose, you know, without having any sort of closure to a season, uh, it's often that win or loss result at the last day of the year or in finals or missing finals, which is a motivating factor for the following year. But just, you know, when it's just cut off and cancelled, um, mm. you know, there's, there's a slight chance that blokes go, oh, I think I'm done with footy for now. I'm just going to concentrate on my job or whatever it is. So we're wrapped. The boys are all fired up and have a sense of unfinished business, I suppose. 
Yeah, retention's obviously a big issue for a lot of local clubs wherever they may be across the country. Of course, you finished second behind Lee and Gaffer. How's the move been in terms of coming back home since finishing at Port Melbourne in the VFL and making that transition into coaching? Is it everything you expected it would be? Um, yeah, I mean, my expectations were that I didn't really know what to expect. So it's, it's been <laughs> it's been enjoyable. Um, it's, been, it's hard work, you know. Like, we're sort of still based in Melbourne, so... We're on the road a fair bit and, you know, we're dragging two young kids around wherever we have to go every Saturday and every Thursday night for training. Um, but it's, it's you know, I, I sort of always knew that I was going to enjoy it, no matter what the challenge was. Um, we have a good sort of coaching panel who, you know, all jump in and help us pick up the slack where we need to. So I think, um, yeah, it, it's my expectations were that I, I didn't know what I was stepping into. I knew that. Throughout my football career, I was like, oh, I think it's all going to end back on Montagui, whether that's as a player or, or in a coaching role. And um, I'm glad it has. And, and I'm, I'm grateful that, you know, I've come back into a group where there's been lots of time and effort put into our juniors to, to, to keep them on track to, to get to the senior grade. Um, and there's some really talented young kids there who are, you know, they're, they're Montagui power kids that have come through from our juniors. So it's exciting to be a part of that. Yeah. Just a couple more before we let you go. We're speaking with Jared Blair, coach of the Wombaggy Power, of course, former Collingwood player. Uh, it's interesting, uh, your younger brother Jack had a very good year. Um, won the best and fairest, I think, uh, team of the year. I think, actually, you won the best and fairest and Jack was runner-up. So, ultimately, do you have a little bit of a in-house competition as to who's the better Blair? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. No, I don't think so. <laughs> I think brothers, bro, bro, brothers are always competitive. Um, but, but yeah, I think really I, I would have thought Jack would have won the, our best and fairest. He had an outstanding year and he's a classy player. Um, and, you know, we had our presentation last Sunday and sort of reflecting on it and just speaking to, to the group. It was, you know, I love running out with my brother. You know what you're going to get every week. He's a competitor. Um, he's passionate about the footy club. Um and it's a real pleasure playing footy with him because he does things that I can only dream of. You know, I'm sort of pretty limited in, in um, what I can offer, but he's got a little bit more flair than me. He can jump higher than 30 centimetres, which I can't. Um, <laughs> so he's got a few more, few more, few more tricks in his bag. But um, yeah, he's been he's been quality, and and I think the presence he sort of carries himself with is, is good for our young group as well. They sort of see the way he goes about it. He turns up on a Saturday ready to go. Um, and always performs to, to the level that we expect. All right, Jared. Uh, just as I let you go, we speak about ten-year anniversaries. Collingwood, of course, would have had if it wasn't for COVID, maybe uh, the planned ten-year premiership reunion. You probably had a reunion of some kind in any case last year. Obviously, you played in that 2010 flag. Uh, we're coming up to the ten-year anniversary of the 2012 Anzac Day game. Do you still have that boot uh, which you used to kick the ball off the ground to kick the winning goal? <laughs> Um, yeah, I suppose I would. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course got, you do. Most of my boots are stashed away somewhere. Yeah, and um, yeah, not. I'll do it. I'll do it. I think I'm a boot. Yeah, but I won't be having Should a sell reunion it, mate. myself. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I might even just get something similar and say that it was the, the boot from Anzac Day and see if I'm catching a little bit. <laughs> ah, good, good on you, Valeri. Thanks very much for joining us, mate. All the best. No worries. Thanks, Damien. Jared Blair joining us, coach of the Wobfaggy Power, former Collingwood player who'll be a regular contributor on this program going forward. You're listening to Saturdays in Gippsland for Harvey Norman Wobfaggy, your local store for computers and electrical. Free click and collect available now.
Hope you're enjoying Saturdays in Gippsland. For Harvey Norman, one thank you. Your local store for computers and electrical. Free click and collect available now. Damian Watson in the chair, filling in for Rob Popplestone this week. Just going through the matches to come today. The Warrigal District Cricket Association. I mentioned before, probably the match of the day is between Western Park and Halora, and that's at the Warrigal Country Club Oval. But we've also got Druin taking on Warrigal at the Druin and District Community Bank Oval. And the other match today, Katani take on Ellen Bank at Katani Recreation Reserve the main oval there. Uh, we'll take a further break and on the other side we'll catch up with Peter Landy who got his start in broadcasting in Warrigal which is where we are now and we'll talk to him about his early days. He's listening to Saturdays in Gippsland on SEN track in the southwest of Gippsland and also in the Latrobe Valley for Harvey Norman Wonthaki. Hope you're enjoying your Saturday morning wherever you may be listening. Damian Watson with you. All thanks to Harvey Norman Wonthaki, your local store for computers and electrical. Free click and collect available now. Well, our next guest actually cut his teeth in broadcasting in terms of the early part of his career in the town we're in now, Warrigal. I speak of the great Peter Landy, who went on to become one of the great sports broadcasters in Australian history, synonymous with the AFL, but also with tennis and rowing, and quite a momentous year for Australian rowing, given uh, the gold medal won by the Ben fours for the first time in 25 years since the awesome foursome at the Tokyo Olympics earlier this year and uh, Peter Landy of course called a couple of gold medals, multiple gold medals from an Australian point of view in the rowing and he joins us on the line. Pete, thanks very much for your time. G'day Damien, nice to talk to you mate, how are you? Yeah, not too bad. I probably uh, need to give you an invoice for the amount of times I've had you on over the years. But I thought it would be quite appropriate, actually, to have you on, given we're in Warrigal, because that's where you got your start in broadcasting. I think you went to Xavier College uh, in your school days. Was radio always a passion, and did you go... Was the intention always to go to the country? Uh, Well, yes and no, to answer that question. Yes, I wanted to get into the media. I went to... uh, Lee Murray School of Broadcasting, a number of uh, former colleagues went there, including Mel Walden, and it was through Lee Murray's assistance and my persistence that I managed to uh, get a job at 3UL, Associated Broadcasters. They also had stations at 3YB and um, uh, 3YB Warrnambool and 3SR Shepparton. So I finished up at Warrigal, which was quite handy. It's the nearest country station to town, apart from 3GO and Geelong. Oh, good stuff. And, I mean, just growing up in Warrigal at that time, obviously the town's very different these days, but how long did you spend there and do you have fond memories of the place? Uh, how long did I spend there? Probably too long. Uh, <laughs> fond, fond memories. Uh, look, it was very cold. I remember that in winter. Uh, when I got there, I said, what do you do for entertainment here? And one of the uh, guys at the station said, you're out of luck, Peter. She's gone to Melbourne for a month. So <laughs> then... Uh, well, it, it, it was pretty quiet. I mean, let's face it, the, uh, the local uh, uh, girls of the night, they were on welfare. And the most entertainment I had, I could walk down the main street at lunchtime and watch the traffic lights change. But as you said, Warrigal's a bit different these days. I'm sure it is. We had a yeah, lot of fun. It was a great experience and uh, certainly something I don't regret. Oh, absolutely. And tell us what you did. Did you call the local footy? Uh, did you do the local trots, I think, as well? What sort of work did you do to cut your teeth? Uh, no, no, I, um, I did a number of shifts down there. I did, uh, uh, let's see, I did Sunday nights initially, then I did weekdays 12 till 2, I think from memory. Saturday afternoon, sporting coordination, 3UL did the, the races and football coverage, so I was tying that together and I finished up doing breakfast, which I, I liked. In fact, I loved doing breakfast because I was always a morning person. 
But Breakfast was a bit frantic for any number of reasons. I mean, they had no producer in those days. You're on your own. Mm. You even dialed on the transmitter yourself at half past four in the morning. Um, that was fun. Um, so there were no cartridges or cassettes in those days. So all the commercials were on 45, and you had about four on each side of the disc. And you were actually, it, it was very sweaty. I, I you know, uh, was in a lather of perspiration by the time seven o'clock rolled around. <laughs> I can imagine. We're speaking with Peter Landy. Uh, just wanted to get your thoughts too, Peter. This year was a momentous year for Australian rowing. Uh, a couple of gold medals really within the space of an hour on that famous day at the Tokyo Olympic Games, along with the swimming as well. Uh, you called the awesome foursome home at Barcelona and also at the Atlanta Olympic Games. Uh, right. Did you catch much yeah. of the rowing this year? And are you surprised it's taken 25 years between drinks? Well... Not really. It's a cyclical thing. and I mean, you don't always have great tennis champions in Australia year after year like we used to. Uh, I mean, Pat Rafter bobbed up, Leighton Hewitt bobbed up, but for years and years, Australia and America played off in the Davis Cup final. That doesn't happen anymore either. No, it, it was a great privilege to call those gold medals. Um, there was a lot of pressure on the awesome foursome to win, and it was rather... Uh, it was unusual because the first race that I called a gold medal was Peter Anthony and Stephen Hawkins in the men's double skull. So yeah. the pressure was then off the four because uh, we already had a gold medal on the board through the double. So it was a great day for Australian rowing. And then, of course, uh, they backed up again in Atlanta. And that was probably even harder because you may remember that Kieran Perkins, the night before, won mm. the 1,500 metres from lane eight. And... The, the four, the next day, the Sunday, uh, they had a bad semi-final. I think they finished third, so they were drawn off the course as well in lane one or lane six, whatever it was, the lane nearest the uh, the camera, and they got up to win from there, which is a very, very difficult lane to win in rowing because you can't see the opposition really except on one side. Just in regards to calling the rowing as well, Pete, I mean, these days it's called primarily off the TV, and that's the case for most Olympic sports now, but I think you were actually at the event. How did you go about doing it? Did you call off the monitor, or were you stationed in a particular area at the venue itself? Uh, in uh, No, I always called uh, the races from the venue, with one exception. That was the canoeing at Barcelona. That was at uh, Castel del Fels, and for reasons known to the production company, or production department, they put me in the booth to call the touring off, uh, off the tube that day, where we also won a gold medal with Clint Robinson. Yeah. Um, no, we're at the venue. Uh, you can come unstuck, though, because in Sydney, we were calling the races, Nick Green and myself, and there was a power blackout. So we stopped calling, and the truck said, no, 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 go, keep going, you guys, keep going. We're still on air. We can see the pictures. I said, well, we can't see the pictures. What are we going to call? So the whole um, broadcasting area was blacked out, but they were still on air, strangely enough. So I had binoculars, and uh, we talked our way through it, and the, the pictures came back on with about 500 metres to go. I can't remember what race it was, but it was a bit hairy. Oh, I can imagine. And uh, Drew Ginn, of course, who moved into the awesome foursome in 1995. He was born in Lee and Gaffer, not far from where we are now, and grew up in Inverloch. We're speaking with Peter Landy. Uh, the other thing, Pete, you had mentioned before about calling off the tube. Was that difficult? Because that's becoming the norm now. Do you prefer being at the venue? I mean, it does reduce travel, but does it take away from the atmosphere a bit as a broadcaster? 
Probably does. Uh, I wouldn't like to call football off the monitor these days. The AFL have got this um, new fangled strategy where they go for wide shots all the time rather than post-ups like Alf Potter used to do. Mm. So it would make it would make it very difficult to call football off a monitor with those pictures served up. By way of contrast, the NRL has taken a page out of Elf Potter's book and they have a close-up for the tackle, slightly wider shot for the ball carry, another close-up for the next tackle and so on. And that was the way that Elf did the AFL in his day in the 1980s. And it's much better to call off Elf's pictures than it would be to call off pictures dished up these days. The pictures are too wide. Uh, there was a bit of coverage served up in the 1950s when television just began. Uh, so I don't like the AFL coverage the way it's done these days. I'm not talking about commentators, they're fine. Uh, but yeah. just the pictures that are served up. That was with less cameras as well. And just to finish off with, Peter, you were known in boxing circles as well, and we recently had George Cambosis Jr. win the lightweight title, the world title at uh, Madison Square Garden in a massive upset. Just briefly talk about your days uh, on TV ringside, because you were involved a bit there, weren't you? I was, yes. Uh, loved TV ringside, working with the likes of uh, Merv Williams. It was absolutely fantastic. I loved boxing. Uh, <clears throat> and in Moscow, um, Ron Casey was, uh, of course, in his heyday. And I was sitting down doing some notes for the rowing the next day, and he said, what are you doing? I said, oh, I'm doing my notes for the ra- racing tomorrow, Ron. He said, uh, put it down for a while. You're coming with me. I said, where are we going? He said, we're doing the boxing. <laughs> so he grabbed me and took me to the boxing finals and we saw um, the great Cuban, uh, Theophilo Stevenson, win, win the heavyweight division. And it was absolutely sensational. One of the greatest days of boxing I've ever seen. I, I'll always remember that. Well, Pete, really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us on this Saturday morning. All the best going for it, mate. Great, Damien. Thank you very much. Enjoy Warrigal. Fantastic stuff. Peter Landy joining us here, reminiscing on his days, cutting his teeth in Warrigal. That wraps us up on Saturdays in Gippsland for Harvey Norman Wadthaki, your local store for computers and electrical. Free click and collect. Available now.